Today's episode is supported by the Nurse Residency Program at HCA Healthcare. One of my best pieces of advice to new nurses is to apply to a nurse residency program. I know I personally felt a serious lack of confidence when I graduated. A great option for today's new grad nurses is the Nurse Residency Program with HCA Healthcare, a program that helps you succeed with hands-on experience as well as support and community from other nurses and residents to help you build a strong foundation for your career. Plus, it includes great employment benefits such as tuition reimbursement, student loan assistance, and more. To learn more about HCA Healthcare's nurse residency, you can visit careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. That's careers.hcahealthcare.com slash residency. HCA Healthcare is an equal opportunity employer. Now onto the episode. Welcome to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Guarneri from the Resume RX, and this is the podcast that's dedicated to empowering and encouraging nurses along your path of professional and self discovery. As a nurse practitioner, mom, and business owner, I'm on a mission to help you figure out how to leave your lasting impact on the world, all while bravely and fearlessly growing along the way. Join me for honest conversations and inspiring stories about personal and professional growth all through the lens of nursing. Hey friends, welcome back to the Nurse Becoming Podcast. Your host here, Amanda Guarneri, and I'm here today with a solo episode all about questions to ask after an interview. Without fail, at the end of any interview, you will definitely be asked if you have any questions. My best piece of advice, please don't say no. Even if you've had the opportunity to ask your questions throughout the interview, Try to save a few for the end so that you can appear interested and leave the interview off on a good note. In this episode, I'll be giving you some ideas of impactful questions you can ask after an interview. And before we get into the interview, I do want to let you know that there is a new way that you can support the show if you are listening and appreciating the content and kind of want to give us a thank you. I have a page at this really cool app or really cool website called buymeacoffee.com. If you go to buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming, you will see our episode page. And if you want to support the content that I create here, you are welcome to buy me a coffee. So let's dive into this episode about questions to ask after an interview. I said in the introduction that my best advice is to not say no if people ask at the end if you have any questions, and they will. It's not if, it's when. (laughs) The reason why I don't want you to say no is because people love talking about themselves. People love the opportunity to answer questions, and it can really create a nice dynamic at the end of the interview if you are the one asking the questions. Because asking insightful and impactful questions can almost work as well in your favor as answering questions, right? So interviewers are going to 
not judge you, but form their opinion of you, not only based on the questions you answer, but also based on the questions that you ask. So if you are saving some really great, insightful questions for the end of your interview, it's a guaranteed way to end your time together on a very positive note that's hopefully going to be in your favor. Because Sometimes we form our opinions about an experience based on the start and the end and not necessarily the stuff in the middle, which is really interesting, right? Because in an interview, it's really the middle that's the most challenging part. But arguably, if you make a great first impression and also leave a great lasting impression at the end, those moments can be as important, if not more important, than the things you said in the middle. So especially if you are someone who is nervous about answering questions and you're nervous about the interview experience in general, if you can really master the beginning and the end of your interview, then hopefully not only will it help you feel more confident and have a better feeling about it, but it will work in the other way as well. And it will leave the interviewers feeling positive about meeting you as well. So I have a list of nine questions that I'm going to give you. And of course, you can always go to the show notes to get a list of these. I know that many of you listen while driving or doing other things, so please don't feel the need to necessarily write these all down. You can tap through wherever you're listening to this episode and grab those questions and reference them for the future. So we have nine questions and I'm going to tell you the questions and then I'm also going to tell you why I think it's a great question to ask and how it will help you and and how it will kind of serve a purpose in the process. So the first question is, what do you like about working here? And remember, you are asking this question of your, your interviewer or whoever is asking you if you have any questions, basically. And the reason why I like this question is because People love to talk about themselves and it can really be insightful for you to get a feel of the company culture and to hear people talk about their job in a positive way, right? You're asking them what they like. So it's not really a confrontational or a charged question. And you should be able to tune in to not only what they say, but how they say it and and their kind of comfort and body language when answering the question to make a deduction about whether they like working there. And and that may be helpful for you to figure out, okay, would I like working here as well? Okay. So as many people as you can ask within reason to tell you what they like about working for that organization will be a good way for you to interview the organization or interview the clinic as well. Because remember, interviews are two-way streets, right? You're being interviewed for a position, but also behind the scenes, you are interviewing them to find out, is this a good fit for me? Is this a place where I will fit in and will it serve my needs? Okay, so this question, what do you like about working here, is a great way to kind of uncover some of the culture and and some of those clues that will help you know whether it's a place you will also like working. The next question is, how did your organization handle the challenge of the pandemic? I like this question because, you know, all of these questions, by the way, are very open-ended. They're not yes or no questions. They start with what or how or why. And this question I like because it's 
again, none of these questions are confrontational or or necessarily charged, but they still will give you great insight, right? So I want to know how an organization handled a big challenge, right? And asking them specifically about the pandemic gives them something specific to talk about as opposed to saying, what type of challenges do you face and how do you overcome them as a clinic? That's a little bit vague and they may not be able to think of a great example, but the pandemic is a good discussion point so that you can learn how this company or this clinic or this organization, you know, what were their challenges during the pandemic? Were they an outpatient clinic that actually had a low census and had to shut down? Or were they, you know, a hospital unit that had an influx of patients and and staffing issues, et cetera? So, you can really get a good idea of of really how they handled things and also another clue into their company culture and maybe how they treated their employees and and get some clues about their values in how they answer this question right so so hopefully their answer really shows that they're both a a patient-centered organization as well as an employee-centered organization, right? Like you want to make sure that they're admitting that the challenges were around either patient care or, or being able to keep their employees happy and healthy. And, you know, these are all things that will really clue you in on whether this is a a great place to work. And if they kind of lead with financial figures without really talking about the work that they do, you know, maybe that would be a red flag for you. Or, you know, if they kind of focused on on things that, that give you a vibe that they were really angry that they lost a lot of staff or they had a lot of staff quit or, you know, all these things are just clues to you to figure out, is this going to be a good fit for you? So that's the second question. How did your organization handle the challenge of the pandemic? The third question is, what are some consistent characteristics of your top performing employees? What are some consistent characteristics of your top performing employees? This question is great because it first of all clues them in to the fact that you're curious about what top performing means and it can and basically say on your behalf that you intend to be a top performing employee. You want to know how to make that happen right? So it can reflect on you very positively if you are someone who is aware of wanting to be a top performer. The other thing that it does is it tells you, they they will hopefully tell you what they value in their top performing employees and, and what their ideal candidate looks like for this role. The next question is very similar. So you can probably choose between these two. And that's what does your ideal candidate look like? What does your ideal candidate look like? And and that question is pretty self-explanatory. It helps you figure out, okay, am I within reach of what their ideal candidate is? So we're going to say that was question number four. And we'll go on to question number five, which is what is the biggest challenge that your team faces? What is the biggest challenge that your team faces? This is a nice and open-ended way of asking about challenges. You know, if you either don't want to talk about the pandemic or it's not relevant or you still want to know more about what is challenging and difficult for this particular 
employer, you know, beyond that, I think that this is a great way to get some insight about that. It, it can clue you into what they perceive as a challenge. And hopefully it would also include not only what the challenge is, but maybe how they're working on it. So it will let you know a little bit about the inner workings of the organization and and how they hope to improve and plans for the future and how their staff and employees integrate into improvement. Because you want to work for a place that has perceived challenges, right? Because if they don't think that they have any challenges, it's the same same thing as, you know, if you're an interviewer and you ask someone what their weaknesses are and they say that they don't have any weaknesses, I don't want someone working for me who says that they don't have any weaknesses because that means that they don't have the self-awareness to even reflect on where they could improve, right? If someone thinks that they're perfect, then that's probably not a very emotionally intelligent person. And on the flip side, if an, if an organization thinks that it's perfect, then you know, are they going to be responsive to um, complaints or concerns or areas that are recognized by the staff that need improvement. So that's why this question can be really helpful for you to clue into the culture of the management. What is the biggest challenge that your team faces is the question that we're talking about. And I, I think that you'll get some really interesting and hopefully insightful responses. Hey, my friend, if you are a nurse practitioner or an NP student, and you're wondering how the heck to get started and stand out looking for a job, then I have something special for you. My on-demand workshop, No More Job Boards, will teach you exactly how to approach finding jobs that aren't posted online. If you've been around here for a minute or two, you know that it is really the cornerstone of how I teach NPs to find jobs by reverse engineering the process. By the end of this workshop, you will have a list of at least 10 places to reach out to, and you'll know exactly where to get started and how to spend your time in your job search, what to say, and how to say it. This is a workshop that I originally did live, and it was so popular that we decided to make it an on-demand training. Head to theresumerx.com jobs to enroll in this training for just $37. That's theresumerx.com jobs to enroll in no more job boards for just $37. The next question is, what are some ways I can get involved beyond the provider role? What are some ways I can get involved beyond the provider role? Or if you are going for a bedside nursing position, you can ask the same question. What are some ways I can get involved beyond the bedside role? Just use whatever term is most applicable for you. And this question I like because it, again, is another way to show them that you intend to be an engaged employee, right? Similar to what are the characteristics of your top performing employees? It shows that you don't want to just do the bare minimum in your role. And that can be really valuable to someone, you know, knowing that they have an employee or a future employee who wants to be engaged and involved in different activities in the department or in the unit, whatever. And the other thing that it does is it tells you, you know, it tells you the answer to the question, what other opportunities are there for you, but also how you can contribute, how you can help grow different areas of the organization or of the unit and and whether or not these activities exist for you or is this organization just so focused on patient care that they don't 
have other opportunities for providers or nurses to contribute. That might be a little bit of a red flag depending on what type of place you're looking for. You know, are you looking for a place that you can really grow and expand and and practice leadership skills and, you know, if that's what you're looking for and they say no sorry, you you come to the clinic, you see your patients and then you leave and you don't have any additional opportunities to participate, you know, that might not be an aligned position for you. The next question is how do you promote inclusion of diverse and disabled patients and families? How do you promote inclusion of diverse and disabled patients and families? And I like this question because it tells you what an organization or clinic is doing to either practice what they preach if they are an organization that outwardly states that they are inclusive of patients and families and even staff with disabilities or or those of disadvantaged populations or minorities and you know this question can really help you find out okay well what what are they actually doing and and how are they practicing what they preach essentially and it can also reveal a red flag if you ask the question and and they either don't know what you're asking or they have no response for you. So I, I think that really we should, as nurses, be making sure that we align ourselves with organizations and employers that have a, a broad vision of healthcare for all, of inclusion for all, of making sure that they're promoting these practices at least that's how I feel as an individual. Hopefully that is important to most of you as well. I think that's a very innate value of, of nursing is the inclusion and the equity of all, of all people. And so this is a good way to reveal whether it would be a good culture fit between you and an organization. The next question, question number eight, as a new grad, this is for new grads, by the way, as a new grad, how do you plan to support me and my development? How do you plan to support me and my development? I like this question because, you know, I think that the best opportunities for new grads, new grad nurses, new grad NPs are ones that will really promote mentorship and support and education during this transition. Okay. The transition from school, you know, from nursing student to nurse, from nurse to NP or NP student to NP, these transitions are, are not for the faint of heart and they can, uh, they can be challenging and they typically require support and guidance and resources for you to ask questions. And so I think that asking this question will, again, all these questions clue you into the company culture, whether it's a good fit for you, whether they are going to value you and value your contributions and and make sure that you are someone who succeeds there. And that's why this question I think is really important, especially, you know, for for new grads. You want to know before you take a job whether they're going to be there for you and whether they're going to help foster your development and growth as a new nurse or new provider. So the last question, question number nine is, you know, let's say that you've asked 
all of these questions during the during the course of the interview. And that that's possible. You may have a really great free-flowing conversational type of interview where you've had the opportunity to ask the questions of these that are important to you. And you're still asked at the end, do you have any more questions? So this is one that I say, save until the end. Don't ask it until the end so that you can use it to answer the final any questions question. And that is, you can use any variation of this really, but what I usually say is, what is your decision timeline for this role? Or you could say, when should I expect to hear from you? Or what are the next steps? And this is the question that you're going to ask so that you know what's coming next. You want to know, is this something that they're casually hiring for? Is this a position where they have three weeks of interviews scheduled and you're the first one? You know, hopefully you can get some of these answers. First of all, you know, it shows that you're interested in moving forward with the position. And and if you are after the interview, then ask this. You don't have to ask it if it was a terrible interview and you have no interest in working there. But if you do, then, you know, you want to get this information so that you can put your expectations in place. So many people, I think, don't really know what type of expectations to have. I get asked pretty frequently, how long after an interview should I be hearing back? And my question to them is, what did they tell you in the interview? And uh, they probably won't tell you unless you specifically ask. So, and because hiring rhythms and timelines can vary so much depending on the organization, you know, that's why it's a hard question to answer if you haven't asked it specifically. So it helps set your expectations. It gives you a clue of, you know, what other, you know, whether they're interviewing other people and and over what period of time. And it also gives you a timeline to follow up. I am a big proponent of following up after interviews, not only sending your thank you note within 24 to 48 hours, but then following up if you haven't yet heard back by the approximate timeline that they've given you when they answer this question, then that's your time to reach back out, follow up, ask for an update on their hiring timeline, reiterate your interest in the role if you are in fact still interested in it. And that follow-up is very, very, very important. For, for that reason, it reiterates that you're still interested, that you're still waiting to hear back. It nudges them a little bit in, in that direction of uh, making a decision or sending out updates because oftentimes it is a forgotten about type of task because it can be pretty cumbersome depending on how many people they're, they're interviewing. And that's not you know to make excuses, but they can assume that if they haven't heard from you that you might not be interested, especially if it's a process that's taken a long time. And especially if they don't have any sort of like automated process through HR that they're dealing with. Some big hospitals, for example, will have pretty advanced HR softwares so that they can, you know, once they fill a position, for example, it will automatically kick out an email to all the other applicants or all the other interviewees saying the position's been filled, whatever. But for smaller organizations where it's more of a manual process, you may not hear because it's often something that slips people's mind to to give those types of updates. So what is your hiring timeline for this role? Or uh, when should I expect to hear from you? Or what are the next steps? So that wraps up the nine questions that you can ask after an interview. I will read them again for you. And of course, 
everything, you know, transcript from this episode and all those questions you can find over at the show notes, which you just click through your podcast player and it'll take you right over there. Or you can go to the resumerx.com slash 092, episode 92. So those questions again, what do you like about working here? How did your organization handle the challenge of the pandemic? What are some consistent characteristics of your top performing employees? What does your ideal candidate look like? What is the biggest challenge that your team faces? What are some ways I can get involved beyond the provider or bedside role? How do you promote inclusion of diverse and disabled patients and families? As a new grad, how do you plan to support me and my development? And last, what is your hiring timeline for this role? I hope this episode has been helpful. Please jot these down. Use these in your next interview. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know how it goes. I always love to hear updates from you. You can DM me on Instagram or tag me. I'm at the resume RX. And yeah, I want to know if you like this interview content and if there are more topics that I can help you with, because you know, that's, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to answer your questions and add value to your life. So I hope you have a wonderful week and I will catch you next week on our next episode. Well, that does it for today. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you have found today's episode helpful and you would like to support the Nurse Becoming podcast, I invite you to buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash nursebecoming. I appreciate your support. This helps me create more content for you to enjoy and benefit from in the future. Also, would you consider giving me a rating or review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already? It will truly help other nurses find the show and know that it's worth listening to. For more information about this episode, as well as a place to submit your questions or suggestions for future episodes or guests, head to nursebecoming.com. I can't wait to connect with you soon. And until next time, remember, I am always rooting for you.